Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. It was February 1995 when a Gideon's Bible literally saved Bernie Diamond's life. He was standing on the eighth floor balcony of a Brisbane hotel thinking about jumping. He was a successful businessman, a partner of an IT firm, and was willing to tread on anyone to get where he wanted to go. But despite his success, something was always missing. Every now and then during business trips, he'd pull out one of those Bibles that Gideon's places in hotel bedside tables. That night, he says, God called him back inside from the balcony, and in that moment... His whole life changed. Bernie's now the CEO of Christianity Works, and he shares that faith with more than 15 million people through 1,050 radio stations around the world. It's quite a story. Bernie, welcome to Open House. Lee, it's great to be here. Great to see you. Thanks very much for coming in. Bernie, most of us aspire to a successful life, and there's nothing wrong with that, and you were very successful in your work. But as I said, it wasn't enough. No, I mean, look, I, I wanted a big house, I wanted a flash car, I wanted to make a lot of money, I wanted to make my mark in life, and, and I guess I was on the way to doing all of those things. Um, but something was always missing. Some, somehow, I knew there was a dimension that wasn't there, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Nothing ever ultimately satisfied me. Did you ever wonder about what that might be? Yeah, yeah yes and no. You know, you just live life, and you live in a rut, and you sure. work hard, and you get on with it, and... But, you know, you'd buy the, the latest $70,000 new car, which was an expensive car back in those days, you know, and, and, and you'd think, oh, well, the, the smell of fresh leather and it looks nice and, okay, but what's next? You know, nothing ever ultimately made me content and satisfied. No amount of money? No, no, not at all. Did that make you curious at the time? I guess... But I just didn't think about it a lot because I was programmed to succeed. So you just go on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And ultimately you get to the point where, where it just it, it gets depressing. You're not, success and money don't bring you the satisfaction. And so it really, really got me down. The facade that you used to put forward, what was that like? Oh, Mr. Confidence. I was the toughest nut on the, on the block. I mean, um, I was a toe cutter. I would saw you off at the, at the back pockets. Um, I, I made grown men cry. You know, I was as tough as, um, but successful. And so people went, well, you know, that's who he is, but he's successful. Was that a facade or were you that tough? A bit of both. Hmm. Ten years in the army and uh, and four years of Duntroon kind of toughen you up, um, but I think a lot of it was a facade. A lot of it was was hiding the sense of inadequacy. No one would ever have thought that I felt inadequate. You know, you, n the last person who felt inadequate was Bernie, um, but deep down I did. Did anything make you afraid? Mm, not really. Still not afraid of much. You know, I, I guess it was just a, a lack of satisfaction in life that I couldn't figure out. I was working so hard at things, um, but I just didn't get the satisfaction. The Rolling Stones were right. Yes. <laughs> Is there one phrase that would describe your life both before and after you found God? I guess looking back on it, I'd say that now I'm living in Technicolor, but then I was living in black and white. Um, mm. it, well, I mean, it wasn't all bad. There were good bits to that life, yes. um, but there wasn't the richness and the depth and the relationships and, and the contentment that I have today. Those things simply didn't exist. So it was more a two-dimensional than a three-dimensional life. Okay, take us back to that night when your life changed. You're on the balcony of that hotel room. Yeah, I'm going through a really tough time. Um, and um, I, I believed in God in high school, I guess, a bit. And... 
I was at the point though where I didn't know whether God existed. And I was out on that balcony and I, I seriously thought of jumping. I can still remember looking down at the driveway below. It was eight stories below the concrete driveway and really, really thinking hard about jumping. And I felt like I was torn. I felt like um, something was pulling me over the edge and something was pulling me back inside. That's the best way I can describe it. And the something that was pulling me back inside was that I'd been reading Gideon Bibles. I traveled a lot. I was in, in Qantas's top 200 flyers, and I was always on the road, and I was always in hotel rooms. And, and when there was nothing on television, I'd pick up a Gideon Bible, and I'd read it, and um, particularly the stuff they have in the front there, which speaks into different situations in your life. Um, and, and I really think it was God's Word and God's Spirit pulling me back inside. So I went back inside and I knelt down because I thought that's what you had to do. Um, that's what I did when I was a kid, you know. Uh, and and I, I prayed and I said, God, if you're out there, um, now would be a really good time. That's all I had. And that's all it took. That That's all God needs to pour his grace out on you. I, I just It was a cry out into, into nowhere. Uh, and I really at that point didn't know whether God existed or not. I didn't have enough faith to to believe that God existed, even though I'd had a churchy upbringing and even though I'd believed in Jesus, I guess, at high school. Um, at that point, I was so far, I thought I was so far away from God, uh, I really didn't know whether he existed or not. It, it took some time. What did that then feel like for you? I was still in a lot of pain, and, and that pain went on for a few months. Um, but I started to get a sense of God's presence in my life. I started to get a sense that God was on my case. I began to pray. Um, I began to read a Bible. That was in February of 95, and it was in October 1995 that some friends of mine took me to a church in Wollongong on O'Brien's Road, um, the Church of Christ there. And I hadn't darkened the doorstep of a church for other than weddings and funerals, you know, for, for well, since I was a kid, you know, and I felt really uncomfortable going there. I still remember the sermon that the pastor preached. I can tell, I'll give you the outline of the sermon. Wow. Um, and when all you Christians were standing around afterwards having your chat and your teas and coffees, um, I went outside, sat under a gum tree and gave my life to Christ. What did he preach on? Uh, the message was called God is Calling You. Um, it was the call of Abraham out of the comfort of Abraham's ancestral home. In fact, I was just teaching on this the other day on radio. Um, wow. uh, yeah, God, God calling Abraham out of the comfort of his home on to do something challenging, on to do something difficult. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I just felt God calling me that day, so I went and go. And, and when I sat down on that gum tree, I was convinced I didn't want to be a suburban pew-sitting Christian. If I was going to have a faith, I wanted my faith to count. That's the sense I had. That already doesn't surprise me, having spoken to you for about <laughs> six and a half minutes. Yeah, so, so I, I really wanted... And so I remember what I prayed. I said, God, everything I have and everything I am and every hope and every dream I give to you. All right, that was it. And... Uh, and there began a journey. So you pick yourself up from under the gum tree. Mm -hmm. Where do you then go? Bible college, of course, as you do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, within a few months of giving my life to Christ, I was at, at Bible college. I went to Table College in, in Sydney. Um, I was living in Melbourne at the time, moved up from, from Melbourne to Sydney. Um, I was going to a little church in Oyster Bay, and there was a, a, a brochure at the back of the church, and I really felt to go and see them. So I went to see the principal of the Bible college, and I felt like such a charlatan because I didn't know. Any, I, mean, I didn't know. Well, my, don't say it, that's early days, isn't I it? I didn't know my Old Testament from my New Testament. Mm. Uh, in fact, I remember when I was at Bible college, one of the lecturers said, "Now we all know the story of Job," and so I'm, I'm flicking through my Bible like a. Job. I wonder if they're talking about Job. <laughs> I still have to be careful not to call him Job. So I, I, I went to Bible college to do a ministry degree. I was still um, had my IT company. We'd sold our IT company at this point to a public company, um, and I had an earn-out period, as you do when you sell a, an asset like that. 
and uh, I was doing my Bible college stuff at the same time. And it was at Bible college um, that someone came along from the ministry that was then known as Good News Broadcasting, which is now Christianity Works, um, to teach a half-unit elective on media. And I just really felt that I should go and do that. Why? Of all ministries and missions that you could get involved with. I mean, I come from the IT industry, right? But I spent a lot of my time traveling around the world speaking at conferences. I mean, there was, a, there was a company in Chicago who flew me business class to Chicago to speak for one hour because they wanted me to come and speak. So I, I've always been a communicator and, and, and a speaker at conferences. Um, but I really didn't put two and two together. And so I, I did this half unit. And then as part of the ministry degree, I had to go and do some field ministry placements, you know, a couple of semesters working for a ministry. So I went and saw this guy and I said, look, can, um, can I come and do some stuff for you? And he said, yeah. He said, the assignment I want you to do is I want you to get some Christmas spots onto commercial radio in Sydney. <laughs> and fortunately, I didn't know that hadn't been done before, so off I went and did it. <laughs> and you got them on? 2GB, 2SM, Triple J played some of them. Um, yeah, 15, 30 and 60 second spots. What were they like? How come those commercial stations grabbed that? They were really edgy. They were really, I remember going to see one denominational um, media unit, and they said, you know, you can't really preach the gospel in 30 seconds. You can really only get them to ring up and ask for a Bible. And I went, right, we're going to preach the gospel in 15 <laughs> seconds. So I did one spot that went like this. It, it was Christmas, 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 Christ, Mass, Christ. Oh, thank God. And that got played on, on Triple J. Great stuff. So, yeah, that was, that was the start of it. I'm glad you're not listening to a whole lot of people along this journey. Um, yeah, I, I I went to a Joyce Meyer. Um, Joyce Meyer was in town, and early on I went to a Joyce Meyer thing at the entertainment centre. I don't know how many people that seats, a few thousand. Heaps. And being a preacher, right, being a communicator, you sit there and you go, oh, man, if only I could tell this many people about Jesus. If only I could do that. Mm. And I got a distinct sense from God saying, Bernie, this is nothing. Just watch and wait and I could never tell anyone about that. They would have said you're smoking, you know, you're smoking something you shouldn't <laughs> be. On the wacky tobacco. Yeah, so I just I just um, quietly just went along and then God started to do some stuff. Yeah. On Open House, we're with Bernie Dimat, the CEO of Christianity Works. Can I ask a, what may seem like a simple question? Why speak like this about Jesus Christ? What is it about him that so arrests you and compels you to talk about him here and to many, many thousands of people. He saved my life. And, uh, and when Jesus comes along and saves your life, you can't just sit there and not tell people. I, I cannot sit down. As long as I have breath in me, I, I, I want to tell people about this Jesus. I want to tell as many people about this Jesus. And can I, the number of people, the number of emails I get, the letters I get saying, do you know... I was about to commit suicide and what I heard on the radio. I had an email the, the day before Christmas from a woman in the UK who heard me on a radio network in the UK. And she said, I had the pills in front of me. I had the letters to my husband and my daughter written saying, I can't live another day. I had it all planned. Um, they were out for the day. I was about to commit suicide and your program came on and you read my favorite Bible verse and Jesus saved me. I mean, go figure. Yeah. If, and if God can use some, if God can use me, if there's enough grace in God to save me, imagine what He can do with everyone else. Yeah, you, you know, I, I did not deserve this. I, I was, I was the worst of the worst. I'm your, I'm your Saul on the road to Damascus. Yeah. 
Why radio, not TV? Interesting. When I gave my life to Christ, and I was ironing one afternoon um, at my apartment, and I was hanging up a shirt, and it was like God filled the stairwell. So I sat down on the stairs, and um, I really felt God saying, all this time that you've been prancing around like a peacock on the world stage preaching, I've been getting you ready. Now go and tell them how much I love them. And and I said, God, um, that's cool, but I have an ego the size of a small planet. I, I was, I'm a new Christian. And I said, if I'm going to tell people about Jesus, then they have to see you and not me. And so for months, that was the prayer I prayed, that they would see him and not me. That's an amazing turnaround. Yeah. And then God puts me in radio. Yes. People can't see me, right? <laughs> they, they don't get to see Bernie. Yeah. Um, and I've done a little bit of television stuff, and, and you know what? I, that's great. And there are people who are called to do the TV stuff, and I'll do a little bit now and then. But I passionately feel called to be on radio. You know, Lee, in this world, half the people alive today have never made or received a phone call. Never heard that before. Does that blow you away? Yeah. And pretty much the only way you reach those people is through radio. They don't have televisions. Um, a lot of them can't read. Um, but you go to the back blocks of Africa. You go to the Kivu province in, in the Democratic Republic of Congo where our, our um, program is heard on a station where it's the only station in an area of four and a half million people. Um, those people don't have television. They, they, a lot of them don't have electricity. A lot of them can't read, but they have radio. Yep. And so you get to reach so many people. And radio is such an intimate medium. It's such a one-on-one -on -one medium. I've spent three quarters of my career in television and yet clearly understand there is nothing like the force and the personal nature of mm. radio. I think you lose something when there are pictures. I'm not saying we shouldn't have television. You know what I mean? I agree with you, actually. I do agree I, with you. I can't draw for nuts. I remember my two-year-old daughter asked me to draw her a cat once. I drew her a cat. And this two-year-old art critic said to me, Daddy, that doesn't look like a cat. You know, I, I can't draw for nuts. <laughs> me either. But, but paint pictures with words is what God's gifted me to do. And so I love to paint pictures with words. So how did you find yourself in radio then? Well, I, I did this, this voluntary stuff um, for, for the Ministry of Good News Broadcasting, which is now Christianity Works. Um, the then CEO moved on. Um, and uh, I, w I had my nice, very well-paying, secure consulting career. Uh, the Ministry of Christianity Works, the core, the core business of the ministry is to produce Christian radio programs for stations um, around the world. Uh, we were producing zero programs. Um, our supporter base was under 100 people. There was almost no money coming in. And uh, at this point, God very, very clearly called me to leave my consulting career and go and take over this ministry where it was really last one out, turn out the lights. Um, so I went and did that, and we spent the last few thousand dollars the ministry had in the bank producing a handful of radio programs. But I knew no radio stations. And the guy that was running, leading the way, Michael Yusuf's ministry at the time, Nathan Brown, um, who's a great guy, yep. um, I felt to go and see him and say, Nathan, we've produced these few programs, and uh, um, I, I, I don't know anyone in radio. I mean, I come from the IT industry. Um, you know, can you help me? And Nathan, being the guy that he is, said, mate, would love to He's help you. You know, oh, I'd love to help you. Yeah, yeah, I can write to a few stations. And within a little while, on, on the 21st of um, February 2005, the first program went to air on a handful of stations around Australia. Um, and that's where it all started. And, and what I didn't realize is there was not a lot of um, Bible teaching Australian content that was delivered up on a regular basis. Because it's a big thing to produce that much content Very big. Um, on a daily and weekly basis. Um, you know, it, it 
it's a full-time job. So, yeah, one thing led to another, and then um, Moody Broadcasting, 350 stations across the US, and, and, and it just kind of burgeoned from there. It just went ballistic. And I suppose you can now see the way God was working in your life long before you turned to Christian faith oh, to give you this kind of go-getting nature. Yeah, I mean, I'm a type A, you know, I'm I've a type A. That. Go, you, you picked that? <laughs> um, yeah, and so between between that, um, the entrepreneurial business background of, of running an IT consulting firm and also being an observer of people. I mean, I've worked in a lot of organizations, so you get to see a lot of stuff, you know, and you get to see a lot of behavior. Um, yeah, God didn't waste a single thing. No, never does. No. What would people who you would have run over in your corporate career be thinking now hearing this? Gobsmacked. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple... Um, who live in Wollongong, I used to go to school with, with the wife, and um, th- they were Christian. I didn't like Christians. Can I tell you, I didn't like you Christians. You Christians really used to rub me the wrong way. and so You wouldn't the, be alone. Yeah, the Christians that came into my life when I really needed them had two things in common. A, they were Christians, and B, I hadn't been very nice to them. Um, and, and I know that they, when they hear me speak or pray, um, just can't believe that I could even become a Christian, let alone to be doing what I'm doing today. Miracles happen. Yeah, miracles happen. Yeah. So tell us where Christianity Works is today. Christianity Works today, um, we're producing, I do about, I don't know, different formats, about 550 different radio programs a a year. Um, We're heard on every continent in the world, um, right across Africa. We've got 90 stations in Africa that play our programs. Um, across Asia, across Europe, um, across the US, across Australia and New Zealand, of course. Um, and so our, our conservative estimate, it's very hard, but you pick just the big stations in Africa, for instance. I mean, Radio Rwanda plays us primetime Saturday night, um, which is bizarre because they've never, ever taken Christian content ever before, and they're the government. They're the ABC in Rwanda, yes, right? Yeah. The guy that uh, was the program director of that station was a boarding in atheist, um, and put us on and then came to Christ through the programs and was then later assassinated. Um, yeah, so our estimate of, of listeners is very conservatively around the 15 million a week actually listening to the programs. And we're about to go live um, across India on All India Radio. That's, a, again, a government-owned network um, just after the, the 7 p.m. news Sunday nights. Um, and that, I believe, has a, has a listenership of about 30 million people. So it's just, I don't, it does my head in, really. <laughs> I'm sure it does. In what you've got to say is such a relatively short period of time. Yeah, I, you can say a lot in five minutes. You, you Too can, right. You can get a lot, 15 of, seconds. lot of stuff. Yeah, 15 As seconds said, is stacked. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can say a lot in, in five minutes. Of course, the shorter the program, the harder it is to, to write. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I find 60 seconds much harder than a half an hour. Um, but yeah, God, God keeps opening these doors and, and so we, we go. I'm sure you've received a lot of feedback from your listeners. Mm. Is there one, are there two stories that you could tell us about people's lives being radically, as yours has been, changed? Safari Marinzi um, was a colonel in the Perico in the Congo. Um, He had been a rebel fighter for 13 years. And he wrote to me and he said, I don't know how many people have died on the end of my gun. But I was at a peace conference in Goma, and in my hotel room, I turned the radio on, and they were playing your program a different perspective. And he said, "In those ten minutes, my life changed. Um, it was, <laughs> it was about the fear of God." And I remember recording that program, thinking, "No one wants to hear about the fear of God, 
but it's in the Bible, so I'd better preach it. And so it was the message on the fear of God, 10-minute program, and he said, I realized without the fear of God, there can be no peace. In that room, I laid down my gun and I stopped fighting. Um, he took all of his rebels in his unit to church. He had to flee the Congo to Uganda um, to become a refugee because they were going to kill him for stopping to fight. That one blows me away. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot for me to be speechless. That's just an amazing story. Then there's the guy in, uh, in India, Bhakta Saham. Um, he contacts, we've got two staff in, in Africa, one in Rwanda. He contacts our guy in Rwanda from Juba in South Sudan, which is, of course, the world's newest country. Yes. Um, so our guy, um, Buba, is up in, in Juba. So he goes to see Bhakta, and Bhakta says, I'm Indian. Uh, I was Buddhist, um, and I was living in India, a businessman, and a friend of mine from Pakistan brought some CDs of some radio programs to me, um, and they were by um, a guy called Bernie from Australia, uh, from Christianity Works. And he said, I didn't, I didn't know what I had to do with these things, but I used to play them, and I listened to them, and I started listening to it on the internet, and he said, something got me, and I gave my life to Jesus. And my wife came to Christ, and my three daughters came to Christ, and my mother, who was dying, came to Christ. And he said, after coming to Christ, I realized I had to become a missionary. So he takes his family, goes from from um, Andhra Pradesh province in India to Juba in Sudan. I mean, go figure, right? And, and he said, we were new Christians. It was really hard. We didn't know anyone. We wanted to plant a church. He turned the radio on. And that guy from Australia was on the radio in, in Juba, and he said, "He said, why this? Why this program? You're following, following me. me around the world?" <laughs> yeah, so wonderful so, stuff. Media is amazing. You, have you, I'm sure we only see a small fraction. Yeah, I'm sure that's true too. Yeah. What would you like to say to Gideon's? Oh man, you guys have no idea. Um, of the impact that you're having in people. There's two things I want to say to Gideons. Firstly, a thank you is not enough, right? The words are not enough. The Gideons have been doing faithfully what they've been doing for such a long time, putting Bibles in places and and giving scriptures to people, and, and the Word of God changes people's lives. There's no doubt about that. So the first thing I want to say is a huge thank you. And the second thing I want to say, which, which needles a few people a little bit, but I'm like that, um, <laughs> it's my gift of encouragement, is to say it's time to innovate for the Gideons and it's time to reach a new generation through social media and through, through all the things because the Gideons, the Gideons have a special gift and a special place in the kingdom of God, which is placing the Word of God in people's hearts. And I, I yearn to see the Gideons have a huge impact with a new generation um, through social media. So that's the challenge, and and uh, I really and that's what I'm praying for for the Gideons, as they've no doubt had in generations past. As and, they've now and they, your testament to that, absolutely. But now they have the iPhone, they have the iPad, they have the Android, they have the all of that stuff, um, and and those things are now in the hands and the pockets of people, and they have the missional ability to place the word of God into the pockets of people. And that's the, the prayer that I have for the Gideons. I'll remember where I heard that idea first. Bernie, it's been a great privilege to meet you and to hear your story. Thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House. We'll post uh, Christianity Works up on our Open House community Facebook page. Let people check it out. Bless you. Thanks, mate. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.